The Fringe, only on Late Nights on K-Talk. Now, in her own words, my next guest fiddles around with fannies for a living. True. Elaine Miller, Miller is a physiotherapist and a stand-up comedian who's made it her mission to educate women on how to strengthen a very important part of the body. So if you're a woman who's had a baby, no matter how long ago, or uh, if you feel terrified every time you laugh suddenly or cough too hard, then you'll want to stick around for the next few minutes. So Elaine, welcome to Cape Talk and thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So can you tell us what exactly is it that you do for a living? Well, I'm a physiotherapist and my background's with sports medicine. So I used to work with um, fit young men and I quite liked that. Um, and then I got paid, and then I had three babies in four years. And after that, um, the world of content and the science of pelvic floors became very interesting. So it's a bit of a career shift. Um, the, as a field of work, it's, it's really rewarding to work in because you can get people back to doing all sorts of activities that they've given up because they're worried about disgracing themselves in public. Um, and there's no, not a shortage of patients. Um, the stats are pretty depressing. There's about one in three women wet themselves when they laugh at coffee things. But people are very reluctant to go and speak to their GP or come forward for help for it. Um, which is part of the reason why I wrote a show to try and encourage people to realise that you don't need to put up with it and there is help available and it works. So from, from physiotherapy to, to fannies, um, how common is it that men and or women and men, should I say, suffer from incontinence? It's really common. It's like a giant secret that nobody talks about. So it's about one in three women and it's about one in nine men. Um, it's fewer men than women because... It's usually women that are dealing with children and often childbirth is a risk factor. Um, but as guys get older, then the prostate can become a problem. Um, as, as they get older, it's going to um, increase the size. And because the pee tube goes through the middle of the prostate, it can create problems later on in life. But a lot of men don't even know that they've got a pelvic floor until the prostate's actually been used. Why is it that, that incontinence is more common in women? Well, um, part uh, the, one of the main risk factors is pregnancy. Um, there's a myth, um, lots of women believe that if they have a cesarean infection, then it's a protective thing and will stop them from becoming incontinent later on. Um, and that's not the case. Certainly in the first few years after having had a baby, then vaginal deliveries are going to increase your, your risk. Um, but once you're past menopause age, then there's almost no difference between women who have had children in vaginal delivery or with caesarean section or who haven't had family at all. Um, so really it's it's a poor bit of evolution, really. Mm, mm. It's not a good system. And, and is it something that women are aware of or does it take time for women to, to seek help in your experience? Yeah, that's a really good question. So there's lots of stats about this. Um, women, there's a misconception. Women believe that it's inevitably part of parenthood or getting older. We don't know that help's available. And women are used to dealing with pads and mess, but it's not a really shocking thing to women. Whereas for men, they tend to become incontinent overnight after prostate surgery. And so to them, it's completely unacceptable and a great speech because they're going to do what you tell them to do. Um, but for women, it takes an average of seven years for them to seek help, wow. um, which is a problem because usually what happens is they have a, a bit of a leak and they kind of ignore that and just manage it with pads and think, oh, one of these days I'll get around to doing something about that. And then they'll have a natural accident and they manage that by never drinking anything again 
and um, going to the toilet every 10 minutes just in case we need a pee. Mm-hmm. So it becomes more and more complicated as time goes on. So usually by the time they come to clinic, they are going to need quite a lot of input. Whereas if they'd come five years earlier, it would have been a much easier job to get them back to normal. Yeah, yeah. And and why don't we talk about it? Is it embarrassment? Is it shame? Yeah, I can't find any, any information about that. Um, there's... I've been looking for a society where it's acceptable for you to have lack of control of your bowel or bladder, and I can't find one anywhere. There's something that's really sort of fundamental to us as people that you've got to have body control, and if you don't have that, then it does something um, to your sense of well-being. Um, for lots and lots of people, it's just embarrassment because mm. the truth I hear a lot in clinic is that we don't want to grow up to be a smelly old lady. But yeah. it's just so awful to talk about um, leaking that they would just pretend that it doesn't happen. Um, and sometimes it's just like they don't recognise that it's a problem at all, they think it's normal, or sometimes it's a lack of language. So going mm. and speaking to the doctor is itself difficult because what exactly are you describing? Like a lot of people are pretty ignorant about um, what the bits actually are and what to do which is one of the things I'm trying to address with the show, people what they can reasonably expect from their genitals. If you are just joining us, my guest this evening is Elaine Miller, who is a physiotherapist and a stand-up comedian who, uh, in her own words, fills around with fannies for a living. Uh, and uh, not quite what it sounds like. She's actually on a mission to educate women on uh, how to strengthen a very important part of the body, uh, the uh, the pelvic floor. Uh, and in fact, Elaine's so passionate about educating women uh, that she's written an award-winning comedy show called Gusset Grippers. Tell us, tell us about gusset grippers. I'm, I'm devastated that this is not something that I've been able to watch uh, with my own eyes. I did see um, an interview that you did um, on the BBC, a little, a little package that they put together, um, and was just, oh, yeah. it was, it was superb. I was, I was laughing so hard. In fact, that's why it was so important for us to get you on the show. I just thought you were brilliant. Tell us about, tell us about your comedy show. Well, it's not hard to make this topic funny because everybody yeah. likes a fat joke and everybody's <laughs> interested in sex. So, like, like, from a marketing point of view, they use sex and humour to sell everything. So I figured that there had to be something in it. And I had a hobby of doing stand-up comedy and I would see people on stage talking about the most abhorrent subjects. But as long as they could make it funny, they could get away with it. And I, I wrote, a, I had a patient telling me a story um, about a time that she'd wet herself on the doorstep in front of um, a neighbour. But the woman was really, really funny and it was it was just brilliant. <clears throat> so I asked her, can I use that? And I wrote a five-minute set and afterwards I had four women come up to me and sort of whisper, oh, me as well, oh, it's awful, isn't it? And I thought, that's really mad because they'll go and speak to a stranger in a bar. They didn't know that I was a physio, but they won't go and speak to their GP. So the idea of the show is that people leave knowing what their pelvic floor is and what it does and why having a good one is smashing, why having a good one is smashing. And the joke's always in me because otherwise you're picking on people and it's not funny. There's quite a, people that have got problems with their body control, they're quite vulnerable as a group mm, mm. and um, really acutely aware of embarrassment. So I have a number of props, like I, I talk through the anatomy and I've got a, a plastic pelvis and I've got a I've got a rubber chicken that you squeeze and it kind of lays an egg. 
demonstrate laps. It's like a children's toy thing, but it works really well. Um, and I've got a clitoris puppet, and then I finish with a song about prolapse wearing a vulva suit that my friend made for me. Um, so you have a five foot four singing vulva um, at the end of the show. It's not dignified, but, um, <laughs> but it's quite funny. I I disagree. I think it's I think it's the height of dignity, and I think more people should dress as five foot four velvets. Uh, what are some of the, the the circumstances then in which a woman uh, might experience incontinence in in terms of coughing and, and laughing? And then on to that, what are the benefits of having a strong pelvic floor? Um, so the most common form is stress incontinence. That's one thing you laugh and cough and sneeze. But there's also um, frequency, which is having to go to the toilet more than normal. And normal is anything that's less than eight times a day and once at night. So if you're going to the toilet every half an hour, you don't need to. But there's treatment available and you can, like physio can help. There's medication that can help. There's all sorts of reasons why it can happen. But most of these conditions are either completely curable or can be managed, um, which is why it's really important to get people to come in. So frequency is going to the toilet more than eight times a day or up at once at night is okay, but if you're up more than that, then it's not. Um, and urgency is the one where you've got to go to the loo, but you've got to go now. Um, normally, you've been able to wait sort of between two and four hours between first being urgency and actually being bursting and doing that weird embarrassing dance that you have to, mm. <laughs> that you have to mm. do. Um, and it's commonly seen when you put the key in the door. Oh. So people are often fine till they get the key in the door Absolutely. and then that's it, games are broken and they're doing, yeah, they're sprinting to the loop. Yeah. Um, so, and again, it, it responds well. There's lots of behavioural stuff that we can do. Um, and you can get Botox for your bladder for urgency, um, which, yeah, I make a joke about that, but it does work and it does. It's good evidence um, treatment, um, but your bladder can no longer express surprise. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> And I don't write many jokes because I'm not great. <laughs> so what exercises can we do then to, to improve our pelvic floor? Um, the, the, there's two main ones that women and men do um, because the muscles have got different functions. So the first one is a long, slow hold. And you want to be able to contract your pelvic floor for a count of 10 seconds. And the reason for that is because once you've got a contraction for 10 seconds, there's a reflex inhibition of the urge to pee that can buy you a bit more time. Right. Um, and the second one is 10 quick flicks in a row. Because if you do something stupid like going a trampoline, then your pelvic floor is supposed to kick in to support the neck of your bladder and then relax. As soon as you laugh a cough or sneeze, it's got to do a fast contraction. So sometimes you find people that can, like, they're not, they're not wetting themselves, they're not having to rush to the toilet, but every time they laugh, they wet themselves then. Um, so the action of doing the pelvic floor exercises is exactly the same for men and women for both of those exercises. And there's been lots and lots of studies, and my friend did a PhD into <laughs> trying to establish what the best command was. Um, and the best way of describing it is that it's a squeeze and a lift. The muscles sit like a little hammock at the bottom of your pelvis, and they just hold all your guts up. And in order to make them work, if you imagine that they're going to squeeze your holes shut and then they're going to lift up slightly. And the best command for getting somebody to do that is to imagine that you've got a really nasty emission of gas that's trying to escape, but you're somewhere that you really don't want to be letting this out because it's going to be horrible. 
So you may be in a list with your boss and the person that you fancy and your mother-in-law. Um, doesn't necessarily need to be the mother of your partner, of course. But this is going to be a horrible, horrible fart and there's no way you're going to let it out. So that action of is you licking a pelvic floor, when you're trying to imagine holding on to the pee or stopping a fart from escaping, then that's you squeezing and lifting. I'm doing so it now. You do that, you girl. Um, <laughs> and the trick with it is, the mistake that lots of people make is that they hold their breath while they do it. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> and then you get people coming into clinic and saying, no, I've done the exercises and it didn't work. <laughs> um, the, the pelvic floor is a dynamic thing. It's not stuck like a floor. It moves up and down in time with your breath. So your diaphragm's rising and falling mm. as you're breathing and your pelvic floor is rising and falling in time with that. Mm. If you hold your breath, then it can't move. And most people that I see in clinic, especially women that have had kids, have got a weak pelvic floor. But maybe about a third of people have got a fixed, tight pelvic floor and that can also be leaky. Um, so it's really important that it's a structure that can contract and relax. If you've got a tight pelvic floor, you don't want to be doing the exercises, but the difference would be pain. So if you're doing them and it hurts, or if you do them and it doesn't work, then come to clinic. How long um, after doing them should should one know that it's working? Yeah, it's, it's ages. There's quite a lot of gristle in the pelvic floor and the anatomy itself, so they, they don't strengthen very quickly. So the guidelines are that you would do those two exercises, a long slow hold for a count of 10, and then 10 quick flicks three times a day for 16 weeks. And then you should get this cure rate of sort of 80% plus of stress and constant should be better after wow. that. And if it's not, then come to clinic. But the problem with it is remembering to do it, because doing anything three times a day, I mean, I, I can't remember the names of my children that are meant to do it three times a day, so you need to get something as a prompt. Um, mm. If you use Twitter, if you follow me on Twitter, I'm at Gussie Grip, and I'll nag you. Um, and there's apps that you can get. There's a very good app that's been with the NHS in the UK called Speedy, which is a great name for an app about pelvic floors. Um, and you can just set yourself a reminder or do it when you brush your teeth because at least then you're doing it twice a day which is better than nothing and just trying to get into the habit of doing it um, I've been tweeting a clench along so I've been trying to find songs that have got a pun in them and you do one clench per beat of the song Ah, so anything by wet wet means works <laughs> Listen, I'm frequently working my pelvic floor when I'm thinking of Marty Pello. Make no mistake, that that's a, that is something that will never die. Um, <laughs> I um I I think you are marvelous. I, honestly, I was I was watching your, your piece on the BBC the other day and was hysterical. Um and but but also hugely informative. Uh and uh, and and. I guess also the thing with doing your pelvic floor is once you've mastered it, um, because I'm guessing that I, as I'm doing it now, I'm pulling a face, but that's okay because we're on radio. Uh, but once you've mastered it, you won't pull a face. So you can do it while you're on the bus or sitting on the train or sitting in a meeting with your chief executive and nobody will be any the wiser. That's right, yeah. yeah. It's funny, a lot of people pull their eyebrows up and down. It's exactly what I'm doing. It doesn't, it doesn't have <laughs> the strengthening process it's just that yeah people know what you're doing um, the thing that I think that we don't talk enough about with pelvic floors and to get people motivated to comply is um, sexual function because once people understand that 
if they are, if they've got a strong, well-functioning, coordinated pelvic floor, their orgasms are much better than you would be with one that was a week or stuck. Then suddenly you've got time to remember to do the pelvic floor yeah. exercises. Yeah. Um, and people people often find that that starts to improve within two weeks of doing their, their regime. So. Yeah, that can be a bit motivating. That, yeah, that is a motivating factor. You had me at orgasm. Elaine, it's been wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Uh, just remind us, uh, if you will, of your website and of your Twitter handle. It's um, www.gussetgrippers.co.uk and I'm at Gussie Grip, G-U-S-S-I-E-G-R-I-P-S. And um, I tweet mostly, mostly things to do about genitals. I'm definitely one trick pony. <laughs> Elaine, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me on.